All praises to the Most High and the Most High only. I'm your host, Brown Arabi G. I'm bringing to you another episode of The Narrow Path of the Righteous. The Most High put it on my spirit to speak on our elders the ones who worked hard to try to give us a better life in this so-called Babylonian reality these include our parents our grandparents our great-grandparents and so on and so forth the individuals that have seemingly been forgotten, especially during the last 18 months to two years. And the fact of the matter is our elders, especially here in the United States, have been forgotten about longer than before this PSYOP hoax pandemic began. And that's what we need to understand is that all of the things that are fizzling to the surface, all of the truth that is coming to light has been a long time coming in terms of how we view and how we respect and how we care for our elders. It's despicable. It's embarrassing. It's degrading what we've done to our elders. And we're not going to speak it from perspective of just putting them all into a box of victims because they're not. We have to understand that even our elders have some accountability in where we are in the world today, because at the end of the day, we all at one point depended on our parents or our grandparents or our great grandparents to lead us correctly to protect us. So we're going to speak on it from all angles. We're going to do a deep dive into the history of how our elders have been set up and treated in the United States and other countries across the world, because I'm always going to speak on it from a perspective of living in the United States. This is where I lived my whole entire life. I know other countries treat their elders with much more respect and decency But can you really even say that now, now that the mark of the beast is out in the open and it's being fed to the masses, it's been forcibly being fed to the masses or through corrosion, which people say is not a, a force, but in reality, you're backing someone into a corner. So in terms of our elders, We have to understand that this has been a long time coming to get us to this point. And many people in the truth, you know, they get quite upset or are confused as to why there aren't many elders speaking out. And I can understand why people feel this way, why people have these sentiments, because realistically, there's truth to it. 
I have not seen many elders come out and speak out outside of a few who might have a YouTube channel or bit shoot. But even then, it's a very, very small fragment of the population. They don't have a great representation. And realistically, if you look at it from the perspective of someone who lives in the United States, it's because of their health. Many elders just don't have the energy. They don't even have the health to be able to come out here and create a platform and get information out there. Many of them are living in nursing homes. Many of them are alone. Many of them don't have direct family members, or if they do, they may only see those family members on a FaceTime or once a month or a couple times a month or less than that. Some don't even see their family. I remember in a few of the podcast episodes, I had shared with you a conversation that I had with a longtime friend's little sister and how she basically admitted that she hadn't seen her parents for all of 2020 because of this hoax pandemic and her parents are in an older age bracket than my parents much older so they're definitely in their mid to late 60s or even early 70s so they're a little bit older than my parents and I had just thought to myself when I was told that how embarrassing and how shameful that is to have not seen your parents for that long. But then again, who's really at fault? Is it the children or is it the parents in that situation? When the parents should have had enough sense to know about their government. You know, I always, I'm curious to that, to that because there's many perspectives, there's many angles to it. You have many elders who've served in war, have fought in wars before. There's many elders that have spoken out against wars. There's many elders who've seen the atrocities performed at the hand of their government. I mean, if you just take a look, take a look at the history they tell us about, you know, not just the United States, but around the world, it's pretty irrefutable that all of these governments are evil, tyrannical, and wicked. And yet, how many people speak out against that? How many people really, really are digging deep into this system and exposing it, especially if, when they're elders? What I've come to realize is the vast majority of elders seem to have just accepted it. They seem to have, you know, given up that they don't want to have to go toe-in-toe with their government because they're afraid of losing the benefits that their government gives them, whether that's Medicaid or Medicare, 401k, retirement, pension, all of these little things that they have set up for them. And I truly believe that's the reason why many don't speak up, because they don't want to face retaliation from the system. From this evil satanic system, they're afraid of retaliation. Therefore, the generational curses continue. I mean, how can you expect one's children to have any common sense or discernment if the parents don't, if the, if the grandparents don't? I mean, that's how generational curses continue to spread. 
how the generational curses continue to go down the line. And in that instant with my friend's sister, that's a prime example of generational curses. I'm sure the parents were living in a very comfortable situation their entire lives. Maybe they struggled a little bit, but we're finally living the so-called American dream. We're able to send their kids to college, give their kids a little bit of money. And once you get comfortable in Babylon, the rest of the world really doesn't matter. All of the atrocities, all of the wickedness and tyranny of the world oftentimes doesn't matter. I mean, I spoke on it in the episode of Privilege. I grew up in a neighborhood that was very much privileged. You know, after my parents decided to, specifically my dad, decided to go back to school and get his nursing degree and work those doubles and triples, he made the ultimate decision to try to move us to a better environment, which I thank him for every day because I lived in a situation where I was safe where I could go outside and play, where I could be a kid, where I didn't have to worry about getting kidnapped or anything like that. This was before cell phones, where I would say, hey, mom, hey, dad, I'm going to such and such's house. We're going to go play basketball and listen to music or trade cards or go to Shinders and go look at some cards. That's what we did, and we, we enjoyed life. So it, I can see it from the perspective of parents who have everything they need, especially from my parents' perspective. My my father's from the slums of Nigeria. I'm talking about walked miles just to get fresh water. It was never never had a childhood because his life was about survival. Never had a childhood. My mom grew up in the ghettos of Southside Chicago. She had to learn to grow up fast. She dealt with violence to the point where she lost a brother due to gang violence. So for them, their number one angle was to give me a better life. And I I can't blame them for it. And this government sold our parents, our elders, a complete lie. They were sold the American dream. They were told all you had to do is work hard, do this, to earn a house, to have two kids, you know, a three car garage, a family pet. And then there you go. Life is good, right? What they didn't tell them was you're trading in your energy into an evil, tyrannical and wicked system and you won't be able to spend quality time with your family like you deserve, like the Most High had created you to do. So, of course, families suffer, especially here in America. I mean, there's strong families, but really, how strong are families when you really think about it? I mean, this this hoax pandemic has showed you how weak the fabric of families are, how divided families are. You could have a family of, say, 20 people, and only two of them are aware of the evil and tyranny and wickedness. And even when those two try to get that information out to the family, the rest of the family, the rest of the family is going to turn on them. They're going to call them conspiracy theorists. They're going to call them crazy. They're going to say they're liars. They're going to say that they're trying to cause drama, all of this. And so that's why you see so much division with families now. That's why you see family members turning on each other. And you would think that that would never happen because of our elders. You would think that our elders would be the ones to say, hold up a second. I've seen this coming. History has 
continued to repeat itself and that's what i don't understand sometimes i even struggle with the fact that these people have been around longer than i have but somehow can't catch on to any of this but i have to look at all angles all perspectives in order for me to understand why we're in the situation we are with our elders you know when you think about it this system does not want you to have a family a family structure when in reality if we all had our own land our own ability to grow food our weather wasn't manipulated we could get clean water you could have enough room on your land to have room for your parents room for your siblings room for your own family and you don't need to be right next door to each other either you all could be a far further away a five a ten minute walk that's how much room there is on this on in the creation of the most high that they lied to you about so every family could have their own plot of land grandma and grandpa great grandma and grandpa because remember you wouldn't be eating the gmo foods you wouldn't be drinking the alcohol or taking the drugs or the medications with opiates in it you wouldn't be destroying your body like we are now you wouldn't be seeing people die from obesity like they are now you wouldn't need to have to take your kids to school you could homeschool them and if you needed help you have you have our elders to help raise the kid that's why they tell you it takes a village to raise a child and we've moved so far away from the naturality of family from the family structure that our elders are forgotten they are completely forgotten you know of course some are at fault especially how they raise their children a lot of children just disown their parents once their parents get old enough because those parents have been maybe verbally or physically abusive or those parents just weren't in that child's life for whatever reason that does happen that's a huge reason why a lot of older adults are in nursing homes and they have no visitors a lot of these people were just awful human beings awful parents so we're not going to pretend like that's not the case but also we have to take it from the perspective of a lot of these people are alone because their own children are awful individuals no matter how they try to raise them the minute you give your child over to the system it's about a it's about a 50/50 chance that that child comes out the way that you envisioned to raise them because when you throw them into babylon into the system anything can happen they could have any type of perspective and let's look at the definition of senicide because not not a lot of people are going to be aware of this word senicide drawn to side is the killing of the elderly or their abandonment to death and when i read a word like that when i came across that definition you know what stuck out to me is nursing homes and i've always always been vocal about how i'd never let my parents go to a nursing home i just for me personally i felt that it was wrong to even allow that You know, it's one thing if I had grandparents. I don't have grandparents. But it'd be one thing if I had grandparents and I'm not in a financial position to take care of them like say my parents are because my parents have been around longer. They have more finances, they have more things together than I do. 
So by the time their parents are older, I would expect them to take care of their parents. And then I take care of my parents and so on and so forth. My children take care of me. So I've always been vocal about the importance of taking care of my parents. I've even told both parents that I wouldn't allow them in a nursing home. I just don't think that's humane. I don't think that's right for somebody else to go be taking care of my parents. And when you even really think about it, who's going to take care of your parents to the degree that you do? And this is not to say that there's not good nurses out there who have big hearts and love people. And there's there's not caretakers out there who care about, you know, the well-being and they're compassionate and empathetic and sympathetic. I already know that. I'm saying who is going to take care of your parents to the degree to which you would. And not to mention, shouldn't we be taking care of our parents? They're our parents, right? They raised us. So we should be questioning this system, this this hierarchy, this setup, the fact that we've normalized nursing homes. That, to me, in and of itself is a travesty. Because you're right there, you're already breaking a part of the family structure, the family bond, by sending a family member off somewhere. And I, I would put money on the fact that the vast majority of people who send their parents to nursing homes don't visit their parents regularly. Like I said, let me repeat it for you who all have earwax stuck in your ear and you, you, only hear, you only hear things with the intention of replying. I said the vast majority, not all, don't regularly visit their parents. And now we're in the age of technology where people think that you know, a phone call or a FaceTime or an email or a Zoom call is a good replacement to in-person time, to a hug, to a kiss, to non-verbals, to eye contact. That's, that's how low we've fallen. And we're going to do a deep dive into how our elders are viewed in society and a little bit of why we're in this position and we're going to do a deep dive into the nursing home structure and the evil behind it and we're going to do a deep dive into how this system of family structure and you know sending your parents off to nursing homes has finally caught up to us during this pandemic and how this was well thought out so that we could be in this position now today where none of the elders are able to speak up none of the elders basically none of them we're able to ring the alarm, so to speak, when everything kicked off. According to the NewYorkPost.com article entitled, Millennials' Extreme Hatred for Baby Boomers is Totally Unjustified, written by Steve Cuzzo and published on November 2nd, 2019. Baby boomers who cried, don't trust anyone over 30, during the Vietnam War should be scared to death of millennials, because at least among the Twitter Adley, they hate us. They really, really hate us. Last week, I took a beating from younger readers over an essay I wrote, laminating the decline of the power lunch. Although it only partly blamed the phenomenon of millennials' habits, example of preferring avocado and kale to beef and baked potatoes, Hundreds of thousands on Twitter either posted or retweeted such insults as old man yells at lunch table. I'm 69. 
what's it like to be an antique? And we're the ones doing the actual lunch as well. You're having three martini lunches. Millennials, and to some extent, their Gen X and Gen Z brethren, hate their elders with a ferocity never before seen in our culture. Egged on by the media savvies like of 16-year-old Greta Thunberg, they blame prolonged heat waves on boomers who supposedly stood by and cheered as the earth went up in flames. The phrase, okay, boomer, has now become young people's repeated retort to the problem of older people who just don't get it. Marking the end of friendly generational relations. The New York Times declared last week, according to the article, a teen designer has already sold $10,000 worth of sweatshirts with the OK Boomer slogan repeated many times on the front, ending with the line, have a terrible day. Generation gaps will always be with us. Historian Mark Wartman found a generational split over sending young men off to war way back in 1941, but unlike those of us who came of age in the the 1960s, early 1970s, who merely disproved of our elders, colonialist wars, and shag rugs, millennials born between 1980 and 1994 can't stand the air we boomers breathe. Too many millennials whine that their complacent elders bequeathed them a rotten America and a rotten world, economic malice that will leave them with lousier lives than their parents and a planet on fire from climate change. But if they spent more time studying actual history, which can't easily be found on iPhones, they know that boomers were and remain the most socially and environmentally conscious generation America has ever known. Maybe too much so. Our universities, overwhelmingly progressive agendas, originated in the 1960s and have become more dominant ever since. And I want to touch on that real quick because I myself see it all the time. I've spoken on it countless times in episodes where I'll just be shocked at the way some people treat our elders. I'm shocked. And with the explosion of social media, whether the videos are fake or not, you'll see videos of people disrespecting their elders i mean i just saw a video of a elder lady on a train i don't know what country she was in but i think it's some part of europe and she's without a mask but everybody else is on the train and this 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 younger lady walks up to her probably in her 20s and is asking this elderly lady where her mask is and might i add the old elder lady is not standing near anybody She's doing her own thing, just waiting for her stop. And she gets bamboozled by some woman who gets all up in her face about a mask. And this old lady freaked out on this lady. She started swearing at her, basically called her, you know, a tyrant, which is true. Because this lady's trying to control an older lady's ability to breathe. If we actually had respect for our elders, we would just leave them be. If you're in that situation and you had common sense and discernment and respect, you would just maintain your distance from that individual and leave them be. If they were able to get on to that mode of transportation without a mask, why are you harassing them? Oh, that's because we think it's okay. The system, this society has made it okay 
to be a terrible person. And they've brainwashed us into to believing that, hey, it's our elders' fault for everything we're in. Are they at fault for the idolatry and the worship of man and systems such as education, financial, government, healthcare, and religion? Of course they are, but so are we. How are we any better when we're continuing to do what they're doing and it didn't work? Why aren't we breaking any generational curses ourselves as adults, as men and women? You see, we complain about what our elders did and why they messed everything up, but that nobody ever takes a look at those in power, at the government. You see how they can easily divide up the people to the point where our own families are divided up, to the point where our elders are hated by younger generations when they should be honored and respected, at least the ones who are good people. I mean, you got to think about stuff like that, that this has been a long time coming to get to this point. And I remember seeing on social media that whole OK Boomer thing blowing up, and I always was wondering where that came from until I found out. And I'm like, wow, this is this is corny. This is super corny. The article continues with, for all our deep divisions, the United States is an immersionably more open, diverse, and tolerant society than it was in the 1950s. While some millennials are truly committed to constructive change, many more seem to be upset mainly because they have to work too hard. Their lust to become CEOs at 25 without first paying their dues or even learning the business is hilarious, hilariously satirized on the millennials, a Saturday Night Live segment where a vapid young woman demands a promotion after three days on the job. Plenty of ambitious, future-focused millennials work their hearts out at taxing, low-paying jobs, but many working members of their generation wear their resentment on their unironed sleeves. And that's the problem is that our, and there is a little bit of blame to cast on their elders because our elders should have been known this. They should have been looked at the system and been like, wait a minute, why am I working all of this time to basically have no time with my children? Why am I being taxed? Why are we going to war? Why are we? Why are they lying to us about space? Why? Why is this all happening? All these things these, these, that, that have changed. Because you got to understand that a lot of these elders have been through huge advancements in the world. They've seen things. I mean, imagine living during the time of Vietnam. Imagine being born around or after World War II. And your parents were alive during World War II, may have served, or your parents were born around World War I. How, I mean, how, how is it that we haven't learned? That that's my question. So I, I can see where the blame comes from, but ultimately no one's ever stood, taken a step back and said, wait a minute, let's actually look at the system versus looking at each other and blaming each other. And of course, that's the brainwash of the rat race. They, they teach you, you know, the world hierarchy teaches you that you need to work hard to just to live. You have to pay to live on this earth, right? And so, of course, companies can leverage the fact that, oh, well, your elders worked harder than you. So we're going to pay you 25, 30K out of college 
and you got to work 50, 60 hours a week, and you got to put in five to 10 years before we really even start taking you serious. And so I can understand both perspectives. I can understand why millennials would be upset at so-called baby boomers or so-called elders and vice versa. But realistically, we're blaming the wrong entities. We're dividing ourselves up through hate, through confusion, instead of looking at the overall system. And that's the thing with people. It's like people love to complain about this system, but they don't want to get out. They don't want to change. They don't even, they can't even fathom the idea that they weren't born on this earth to work for other people. They, people can't fathom that. That's how deeply entrenched all of this brainwashing is. That your life is so pointless that you were made to work. That's what your creator did. He just made you to work. The most high made you to work, huh? And when you take a look at it, it's evident that we've all been bamboozled. We've all been tricked from the get-go. And so there is fault on both sides, on the side of the elders and on the side of, side of the children, the next generations, because we never looked into anything either. You can We can sit here and blame our elders as much as we can, but you got to understand it was a different time and a place. And a lot of them didn't have access to the information like we do now. A lot of them didn't have access to the internet. So things were a lot different for them. So now I feel there is a bigger responsibility for the next generations, our generations of, to make right. The ones who are in their mid to mid 20s to 30s to, you know, 40s and 50s. It is our responsibility to fix what's going on and no more blaming it on our elders and vice versa. It's time to wake up and take responsibility and get up out of the system. evil demonic tyrannical and wicked system to split up our families to get us to the point where our elders and their children and grandchildren can't even get along or coexist or family members are cutting each other off and families are being broken apart and make no mistake this isn't done by accident this has been years decades in the making to get to this point so now that we have an understanding of millennials and their relationship with so-called baby boomers let's continue to go a little bit deeper into the whole nursing home hierarchy and we got to ask ourselves this question why do we give our elders over to this evil, demonic, tyrannical, and wicked system in order for them to take care of them. I really don't think that this is a topic that many people are aware of. And if they are, maybe not to this depth. But it's very vital that we understand that there are consequences to our actions. 
and this system, the way it's set up, it was never set up for us to be able to have our families together all in one. Never was. According to the MyAlzheimer'sStory.com article entitled 12 Reasons Elders Are Abandoned in Long-Term Care, written by Susan Macaulay and published on October 7th, 2016. I feel the responsibility is more on the families than the long-term care system. Too many families abandon their loved ones to the system. Commented Ethel Lord in response to my post, elder abuse and long-term care facilities need to be researched now, if not sooner. Here are some of the reasons older people are abandoned. Many families place aging parents in long-term care facilities after having cared for them to the point of exhaustion. Placement is a bid to save their own lives. And a lot of that, you gotta understand, is because of how we treat our bodies. A lot of people are gonna disagree with this because they're so deep into the system. But if our elders took care of themselves and ate right, exercised, didn't put poisons in themselves, like alcohol, like drugs, like these medications, many of these people in nursing homes wouldn't even be in nursing homes. They wouldn't be needed to be on 10 different prescription drugs. You see what I'm saying? That's why many people's body breaks down. So it's very difficult for their children or their grandchildren to take care of them. But either way, in my opinion, that's not an excuse. Number two, many families are forced to place loved ones in long-term care because they are financially, physically, and or emotionally unable to care for them, even though they may want to. Some don't have the skills. Some live too far away. Others are sandwiched. The decision to place their loved one in care is devastatingly difficult to make. It rips their hearts out, but they feel they have no choice. And that's exactly what this system gives you. No choice. Of course, you got to work 40, 50, 60 hours just to even take care of yourself and your kids. So how how do you expect to take care of mom and dad? Number three, some families do not wish to care for aging parents, nor do they feel it's their responsibility to do so. And I think that's definitely true here in the United States. And who are we to judge whether that's right or wrong? I mean, I personally think it's wrong. We can judge that because the most I didn't make us to be that way. And look at this part where the author, look at the author starts with or states, Who says children are ultimately responsible for their parents' quality of life? Parents choose to have children, but if their children as adults choose not to be involved with them later in life, neither society nor the government has a right to judge or govern that choice any more than we can tell people whether or not to have children. And some people may agree with that. I mean, morally, I don't. I mean, everybody has free will, so it is your decision whether you want to take care of your parents. But ultimately... That choice can come and bite you later on in life. 
I mean, imagine having a parent and you're at the age where you start having your own children and then you place that parent in a long-term care facility or say say it even gets to the point where you're complaining about that parent in front of your own kids. Ah, oh, well, mom and dad are just like so much time. We have to get every weekend we have to drive to go see them. It's so much time and I hate the facility. You know, she, it's a lot of work. You know, she's getting to the point where she's, you know, hitting, you know, her expiration date. You know, this is these are things parents say. Imagine your kid sitting there listening to how you view your parent. You don't think the kids are going to learn that same behavior from you so that when you're at a position where you can no longer take care of yourself, you think that child who has been listening to you degrade your own parents is going to take care of you? Okay. Number four, some parents do not wish their families to care for them. They don't want they don't wish to be a burden and they prefer to be placed in long term care. And I mean, I don't know, that could be 50 50. I don't necessarily believe that's true. I mean, ultimately, we should never have been in this situation either either way. We should never have accepted their form of health care either way because it's death care you know you can go online and you can find multiple people who are in their 70s who are still actively up farming their own land taking care of themselves there's people out there like that running mini marathons triathlons staying in shape i've seen calisthenics athletes in their 60s and 70s more in shape than myself half their age not even half their age so it proves that if we took care of ourselves, we more than likely wouldn't even need that. But ultimately, what's wrong with having mom or dad stay on your land or your property so that you can take care of them, so that they can help watch your grandkids? It's a win-win situation, people. This family is everything. Number five, some families are estranged. They don't want to be in contact. They don't like each other, plain and simple. And that, that's true. Yeah, that's definitely true. Number six, some elderly people do not have children or extended family, and they end up alone as a result. That's also true. Number seven, some adult children who wish to care for their aging parents are precluded from doing so by other family members, agencies, or guardians who have legal control. Sometimes their loved ones are moved without their knowledge, or access is restricted or denied in some way. Number eight, some family members are forced by social services or other agencies to place loved ones in care, even though it is against their loved one's wishes as well as their own. Number nine, some family members are unable to visit their aging parent after placing them in care because they are overwhelmed by guilt, can't bear to see their loved one suffer, or think it doesn't matter because their loved one doesn't recognize them anymore, etc. Number 10, some families implicitly trust long-term care providers and believe their loved one is better off in an institution. They see no need to visit, supervise, or advocate. Number 11, some long-term care facilities prevent family members from seeing their loved ones, particularly if the family members criticize care practices, demand change, or aggressively advocate for better care. And think about what they're doing now. And I'm not sure what states in the United States this is going on in, but I've just heard murmurs and rumors of it where nursing homes won't even allow you to come visit unless you have the mark of the beast. I don't know if it's been implemented in other states. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's already in New York and California. 
But think about that. That's what happens when you create a covenant with this wicked system. When you give your parents over to the wicked system, of course you're not going to be able to go get them. Of course you're not going to be able to go see them unless you go along with this wicked system. Take the jab. Oh, you can't see mom. Mom's on her deathbed, can't see her. Oh, they're on their deathbed. Hospital won't let you see it because of the fake COVID. This is all real realities for people. These are realities for many people. And it's the same thing they're going to do at the schools. And we will speak about the youth too, because that's super important. But it's the same thing that they're going to do at these schools. Now that they've mandated the, what the, the mark of the beast for five to what is it, 11 year olds or 12 year olds, it's going to go all the way down to the babies. It'll come a time where don't be surprised if you're a parent and you're still sending your kids back to these institutions, these indoctrination camps that you won't get access to them unless you're vaccinated. Unless they're vaccinated, they could take your kids away. They're going to take people's kids away. And of course, they're going to take people's elderly parents away. That's what's going to happen. Number 12, and sadly, some family members are placing aging parents in facilities for selfish reasons, such as wanting to preserve their inheritance. And I think that's a huge thing here in the United States. I really, really do, where a lot of the kids will just view their parents basically as money for whatever which reason you know a lot of these parents who chase money never even developed a relationship with their children so you almost can't blame the children for being heartless because the children are raised that way if all you get from a parent is just money and you don't have a connection with that parent then that's all you're going to see them as is a tool for money that's why family that's why siblings fight so much over inheritance that's why you see so much manipulation when it comes to inheritance or who's in charge or who's the heir. So it's just, I wanted to show these reasons to show you what Babylon gives you. Basically no wiggle room unless you financially are able to take care of your parents and it's a wicked system, man. Should never have even gotten to this point. It should never have even gotten to the point where our parents are in their 50s, 60s, 70s and are already dying. I mean, are you kidding me? That's so young, man. That's not that's no time on this earth. Can't even take care of yourself. It's because of the way we've been living. I mean, it's, it's just sad, man. The system can tell you what age you should expect to live to. And nobody questions that. Nobody thinks that's that's kind of weird. That they can literally tell you how long you should be expected to live. And we just accept that. People really need to wake up, man. And these nursing homes are more wicked than people will even, get, even look into to even imagine what they do at these nursing homes. And the whole fact that we agreed with nursing homes has allowed this pandemic to work so well on the elders. They are isolated. Think about what that isolation does to somebody who is literally in a, a care facility all day. I'd, I'd even compare it to a jail, a prison. They're in a care facility all day around other people that they may not even like. And they're being cared for by some people who may not even care about them, like genuinely care about them. It's, it's, a, it's a very, very sad state of affairs, people. It really is. And it's been done by design this whole entire time. And we're going to transition into over to an audio segment 
from the PI education video entitled Nursing Home Abuse, Elder Abuse, Nursing Home Fraud, published on February 28, 2019. February 2019 webinar. This is Spy Curious, the monthly webinar from PI Education for February 2019. I'm Hal Humphreys, your host. Today, elder abuse investigations. When I was in college, my mother had to hire a caregiver to take care of my grandmother. It took a long time for my mom to find someone she was comfortable with to take care of my grandmother during the days while mom continued to work. It worked out great for about six months, and then one day the caregiver just didn't show up. My mother had to take off work. My sister and I took turns going over to grandmom's house to make sure that she was safe during the day. Sometime over the next week, my mom noticed my grandmother's ring, a family heirloom inherited from her mother and her mother before that, looked a little strange. The diamond that usually lived in the setting had been replaced by a shard of glass from a broken Coke bottle. My mother called the police. The town where we lived is a small town and everybody knows everybody. There aren't that many places to fence a stolen diamond. The man who owned the pawn shop where the lady tried to hawk my grandmother's ring is a longtime family friend. In fact, the diamond in my grandmother's ring was originally part of a pair of diamond earrings. The pawnbroker's family owned the twin. He recognized my grandmother's stone immediately. He called my mom and said, I think I've got Judith's diamond here. For us, it wasn't that big a deal. No one was physically injured. We were able to solve the problem. The police were able to press charges against the caregiver. It took us another month or so to find someone that mom was comfortable with. But here's the thing. This kind of elder abuse happens all the time, all across the country. Today, we're joined by Kelly Riddle of Kelmar Global. We're talking about nursing home abuse, elder abuse, and nursing home fraud. Even the elderly. Right, right, right. Um, another uh, question from the crowd. What are some of the warning signs of elder abuse and elder neglect? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, if it's in a nursing home or a hospital, usually it's in a nursing home more so or an adult daycare. But, uh, you know, I always tell people to go do the smell test. You know, if I was going to put a, a, a one of my relatives in a nursing home, I would not only go during business hours, uh, but I would go after hours in the evenings and do the smell test. Does it smell like urine? Does it smell dirty? You know, I mean, look around because during the day they have the administrators there and they're doing their marketing just like anybody else would. So, you know, look after hours. I, I did one nursing home where uh, they would do tailgate parties in the evening. I mean, they, they would literally leave one person in the nursing home and everybody else would go out and barbecue and do a tailgate. Holy cow. Crazy. Um, that, that is in, insane. Um, and I'm, I'm sure here's the thing, this work, um, you know, we can, we can talk about it. You and I can sit here and talk about it kind of in the abstract. We're investigators. We don't really have a dog in the fight unless we're, we're hired to have a dog in the fight. But at the end of the day, um, if it were your mom 
or your dad that were in that situation, how much would you be willing to spend to go after the person that hurt your mom or your dad? Oh, well, and see, that's, you know, I would go to the end of the earth, obviously, but, you know, in some of the geographic areas like Texas, for instance, I think three years ago, they passed a law that said you cannot put a camera in a nursing home facility without first getting the permission, notifying and getting the permission of the nursing home. Well, guess who was behind that law? The nursing homes. And so, you know, if, if it were me, I would put a covert camera in my parents' room. But what you have to be careful with that is that, you know, if, if they're sharing a room, you can't get the other person butt naked, you know, because now you're violating their rights. So there's those kind of things that you got to look for. But, you know, I would be checking the nursing home for how many lawsuits they have, how many police calls they've had, you know, those kind of things. You Anybody can do that. Right, right, right. And uh, that's kind of an interesting point. Uh, Ryan Johnson just asked, the question I have might be more of a legal nature, but who can authorize the use of hidden video, clock camera, et cetera, in a patient's room, especially if family members are the suspects? Mm -hmm. So that's that's what you were just talking about. If you wanted to put covert cameras in a room, how would you go about that? Yeah, and that's, uh, that's, that's a sticky situation because of what I said, just said, you know, more than one person in a room. But you know, again, are you the legal caretaker for that person? Are you, you know, if you have the power of attorney and all that kind of stuff, you have a certain ability to do that. But regardless of that, you know, I, I know people that I have talked to and they said, I don't care, you know, if I get a little misdemeanor for putting a camera in there, if I catch the person beating up my parent, you know, so it's that kind of mentality that you got to deal with, you know, I mean, who, who would not want to protect their loved ones? Absolutely. And here's the thing. As a private investigator, if someone asked me to put a camera in, I would I would talk to my attorneys. I would talk to the attorneys who were dealing uh, in that area about what the legalities are of of doing a hidden camera. But if if I were dealing with personally a situation where my mother or my father were being abused, I might be willing to take a misdemeanor charge for putting a camera in a room. Sure. Sure. Um, I would do whatever I needed to do to make care take care of them. Well, for us, you know, it's a touchy situation because we carry licenses, you know, and if we get any kind of misdemeanor or whatever, you know, our PI license could be yanked. So that's our livelihood. So it's a little bit different story for us, you know, but that doesn't mean my brother or my wife or somebody else couldn't do it. And and in lieu of a camera, I might say, all right, let's put a voice activated uh, tape recorder in here. Right, know, right, right, right. And right, start right. with that. Yeah. Anything we can do. Um, so another question uh, somebody asked from the field, and I can't see who asked it. Uh, would love to hear Kelly's best tips on interviewing elders who have been traumatized. I think this is a pretty interesting question. Um, you and I both spend a lot of time conducting interviews. Nine times out of 10, I'm dealing with, you know, citizens who are witnesses to something. Uh, but in these kind of cases, if you're interviewing elders, do you take someone with you when you're doing an interview? How do you how do you interview the elders? Yeah, I, I usually I like to take someone with me. And uh, and, and again, based on the, the state that I'm doing it in, uh, I will try to record the conversation as well. But, you know, what we have to be very careful for uh, of as investigators is that we don't get caught up in in the fast pace of today's lifestyle because we all want to go in there. We want to do the interview get out and move on you know you know you got to take the time to you know talk to the person get them comfortable with you just like you would any other interview and then gently move into that i've had to interview people that uh were not able to speak and so i had to get them to you know blink once for yes blink no uh, twice for no those kind of scenarios 
And, uh, and part of that is, you know, if you have somebody that you suspect has been uh, abusive to a person, then I, in that particular situation, ask that they bring that suspected employee into the room. And you could just watch the behavior uh, and the mannerisms of the, of the elderly. I mean, they started, you know, drawing in and, you know, moving away. And so it's, you know, it's typical body language stuff. Right, right, right. Um, and again, we're dealing with a population that, that they don't really have um, a lot of times. All right. So, for example, my wife and I do not have children. Um, when we get to be elderly people, you know, who's going to look out for us? You know what I'm saying? It's one of those things like there are a number of people in that situation. Um, if my mom and dad uh, end up in, in a nursing home facility uh, and are being taken advantage of, you know, they got my sister, they got my brother-in-law, they got me, they got my wife. People are going to be looking out for them at all times. Um, I know a friend of mine here in Nashville, an attorney friend uh, who is also a client. Uh, his mother just passed away recently. She'd spent a lot of time in a, a nursing facility. And they actually moved her a couple of times until they found a place they were super comfortable with. Um, if you have the resources, uh, that's a possibility. But a lot of people don't have the resources. And elder care is expensive. Yeah, it's expensive. And, you know, and, and I've gotten into cases where they're double billing, like they'll be double double billing the family and me Medicare, Medicaid, whatever, you know. And so uh, it's it's ridiculous that, you, you know, you got to pay attention to your parent as well as the billing side of things and the fraud related to that, you know. So um, some people do the build on a room to their house scenario and then they, you know, are able to care for them or bring in a care giver. You know, my brother, for instance, he has a, a mentally and physically handicapped child. And uh, so he has around the clock care and same scenario. I mean, you know, he he has to travel for business. And so from time to time, no one's at the house with his with his son. And so it opens up different, you know, problems. And, it's, and there's no easy solution, one fit all kind of scenario because we're just such a transient society and everybody's mobile now. Right, right. If you had someone come to you and say, hey, I think um, my mom is uh, or my dad is being um, taken advantage of, what would your first advice be to them? Uh, first thing, I would ask them why. But then secondary to that, you know, I would, I would say we need to check and see what their record is. I mean, there's all kinds of websites out there, healthgrades.com and some other ones where you can go check and see what kind of complaints they have. You can check and see what their latest inspections, health grades and state inspections stated. Uh, you know, so I would start with the basics and just say, you know, is this a track record that they seem to have? Uh, and if so, then, you know, you got to dig deeper. Right. Um, Greg Mart asks, um, he's a PI on Long Island. Have you noticed any states or localities that have the most problems with elder abuse at facilities? Uh, well, Greg, you know, it's, it's, you follow the trend and, you know, a lot of people from your part of the world, New York, New Jersey, that kind of, you know, they retire down in, in uh, Florida, Texas, that kind of stuff. So we seem to have the bulk of it in the South. And I think it has to do with the amount of population that we have down here as well as sunshine. Right. Yeah. I mean, nobody, nobody goes up to Wisconsin to retire. That's it. <laughs> Um, so talking to, I want to go back to the interviewing, um, the elderly who have been traumatized. Um, I know that when I'm getting ready for an interview, pretty much any interview that I do, I spend 
at the very least a couple of hours, sometimes, you know, upwards of 16 hours preparing for that interview. How much time do you spend preparing for an interview with an LLM person? Yeah, it depends on the scenario and what it is, if it's a sexual abuse or if it's a physical abuse or whatever the case may be, you know, but uh, typically like you would do in any interview, you get your ducks in a row. And so you already know who the bad guys are, who the ones that are doing the abusing is. And, uh, you know, I always like to try to find someone that they uh, had a good re relationship with, with whether it was someone else in the nursing home or a staff member, and then bring them kind of in at least into the conversation and say, you know, I know that you were friends with Mary and, you know, Mar Mary, you know, is, is I've talked to her and, and she has kind of explained to me that you're apprehensive. And so, you, you know, you bring somebody into the conversation that they are already familiar with and trust. Have you had situations where the, 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 the elderly person who was um, the victim of abuse or neglect was reticent to talk about the, the neglect or afraid to talk about the abuse. Yeah, and that's uh, one of the things I covered in, in our course that, uh, that you're gonna reference. But you know, the, the problem with that is uh, they, they get blackballed like any other scenario. So if you're in a nursing home and uh, there's one particular person or a group there's usually there's a niche and there's, you know a group of people that are doing this consistently and so uh they know right away that they either are going to be verbally chastised physically chastised they're going to have something taken away from them you know they get they get any money that you give to them usually it's going to be stolen you know their clothing clothing and belongings personal belongings they're going to be handed out if not stolen so i mean you know they learn real quick that there's a hierarchy and a pecking order. Yeah, and that's, I gotta say, I'm just, <laughs> this is one of those areas of investigation where when you dig into what happens in nursing homes and what happens in elder care facilities, um, and even in like private care, if you've got, um, there are companies that do in-home uh, elder care, uh, the things that happen to our elderly population are just astonishing. I agree. I mean, you know, most of them have worked a full life, you know, and they've raised families and everything else. And so it's just, you know, it's just another uh, humility, source of humility, uh, you know, where you're going to just rake them over the coals. You know, they don't deserve that. They've done well. They've done everything they're supposed to do in life and they've reached that point. And their bodies, like you said, are just giving out on them, you know. So it doesn't mean that their brain's not working. Right. Um, and, you know, even if their brain isn't working, that doesn't mean that they, you know, my, my grandmother suffered from dementia and um, she had some very serious issues um, with, you know, going walkabout and leaving the nursing home and that kind of thing. But that doesn't mean she's not deserving of um, proper good care and attention. Well, and, you know, you mentioned what would you do as an average person? I mean, look at those things when you you go take a stroll through the nursing home, you know, look at their security, physical security. Do they have cameras in the hallways? Do they have uh, push bars, you know, to get in and out of the, the facility? And are the doors, even if they do have an egress door that is, is propped open, is it propped open because someone left it open or because it's got a, you know, bad hinge on it or whatever. So just look at those kind of things, you know, physical security is easy to, to look out from the, out, from, from the outside. And then, you know, also in addition to that, look and see if my mother did escape for some reason and had dementia, you know, is she going to wander out on a main highway? You know, those are the kind of things I'd be looking at. 
I have a friend um, in the public radio world down in Birmingham, and, and she had a father who was in a, a care facility. And she uh, asked me a couple of years ago, she said, what kind of tracking device would you suggest? Uh, because her dad had gone walkabout and they, they lost him. He, he was able to get out of the nursing facility. Do you have any suggestions for that kind of thing? Yeah, you know, they, they used to make some real good ones that they had on in watches and stuff, and it was mainly for kids, and, but they've stopped manufacturing that. But, uh, you know, there's there's some good ones out that you actually use on luggage, uh, it, but you got to have access to Wi-Fi and those kind of things. But, you know, on a person themselves, it's really difficult to get something small enough that would, you know, be there constantly. Uh, and so I kind of turn that around. I, I use that a lot in situations where people are going, you know, my dad is, you know, starting – he gets out and drives around. All of a sudden, he calls me, and he's not sure where he is. You know, so that's where you put a GPS on their car. Yeah, um, and there. Have you seen any of the seasons of True Detective, the the TV show on HBO? Yeah, I've seen a few of them. Yeah. Okay. Um, there's a, the the latest uh, series. Um, ha it deals with a couple of detectives who are getting older, and one of them is suffering from dementia issues. And it's pretty interesting a couple of times during the thing he's driven the car somewhere and he can't remember where he is um i remember when my grandmother started uh you know kind of suffering from dementia a little bit worse and worse as she got older uh, getting the car away from her was a very yeah. painful and difficult process yeah well you know now uh we do a lot of 18 wheeler and cargo investigations as well and so they are coming out now with a barcode it actually has GPS in it. And so I've seen it demonstrated. And, and unfortunately, when, uh, when I saw it demonstrated, it didn't do a very good job. But that's where things are going. So, yeah. you know, it, it's not going to be far-fetched to say, all right, you know, I'm going to put a barcode on, you know, on their shirt, on their robe or whatever, you know, bottom of their right. shoe, for heaven's sake. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Okay, so we're pushing right up against the midpoint of the hour. Um, I do, while we're talking about this issue of, of elder care and um, elder abuse and elder neglect, um, you know, one of the things I've noticed is a lot of times older people aren't, they're not noticed, they're not paid attention to. Um, and while we were talking about this, I was thinking of a poem that I remembered from childhood. I wanted to read this real quick. It's a very short poem. Um, it's by Shel Silverstein. Uh, and it said the little boy, said the little boy, sometimes I drop my spoon, said the old man, I do that too. The little boy whispered, I wet my pants. I do that too, laughed the little old man. <laughs> said the little boy, I often cry. The old man nodded, so do I. But worst of all, said the little boy, it seems grown-ups don't pay attention to me. And he felt the warmth of a wrinkled old hand. I know what you mean, said the little old man. Um, you know, we, we tend to put um, elderly people into a facility and go visit them when it's convenient. And um, here's the thing, if you're paying attention, if you're paying attention to your family, if you're paying attention to their situation, uh, you can notice uh, episodes of elder abuse and elder neglect, uh, but we have to pay attention to them. They're human beings. And quite honestly, our parents, our grandparents, they have a lot to offer us in the form of experience and um, and, and you know stories and connecting with our past and those kind of things.
the more and more we unravel the hierarchy of nursing homes in Babylon, the more we understand why we're in the position we are today, why we've lost sight of the family structure, why families are so easily being divided over the mark of the beast, over the new world order, why so many elders are silenced or don't have a voice or are simply ignored from their own family members. Because I'm not going to sit here and say that there haven't been elderly who've warned their family members or their friends or their communities, because I know there's definitely some out there. It's just that we're in a position now where we don't even respect our own parents, our own grandparents. This is not to disparage anyone for keeping their parents or grandparents in a nursing home. It's just to give a different perspective. And I've always thought sending my parents to a nursing home was disrespectful, was shameful, was embarrassing to my family. And I'll always think that way. And as we continue to go deeper down the rabbit hole, we'll start to understand why the system is the way that it is. In order to keep families separated, you have to take away the elders, the ones with wisdom, the ones with more life experience. You have to get them sickly independent on the system so that they no longer are able to be themselves, their natural selves. And that's how we get the domino effect that we're seeing today. According to the Canada Free Press.com article entitled, Socialized Medicine's Logic of Killing the Elderly, written by Daniel Greenfield and published on August 12, 2009. It's hard not to notice that many of the most vocal Obamacare protesters are senior citizens, and senior citizens remain the largest challenge for Obamacare, not in political terms, but in terms of resource management. Senior citizens are likelier to require medical care than younger workers and contribute little or nothing to the system. And think about that word, little or nothing to the system. Why do you think that they have, they call us useless eaters? Why do you think Kissinger called the elderly and not just the elderly, but us useless eaters? Because they're not fulfilling Babylon. The article continues with, from the perspective of socialized medicine, it becomes all too easy to contemplate cutting the waste by reducing the care given to senior citizens, the disabled, infants with birth defects, and mentally retarded and anyone else who fails the system's productivity and practice or potential test. Most people have not considered the fundamental change that comes in the transition to socialized medicine, but is it is part of a larger social transition, one that moves the cost and decision-making process from families into the bowels of a bigger picture government planning system. key phrase here is citizens since the state is doing the planning and deciding who gets medical care and who doesn't it is the state's perspectives that define socialized medicine 
once healthcare is shoved into one giant system chock full of resource shortages that can't be met the resources will have to be allocated one way or another from the state's perspective it makes a certain utilitarian sense to give life to productive citizens while denying it to non-productive citizens and that's the same thing they're going to do with the social credit system basically these demons can tell you whether you are productive in helping their evil and demonic society sustain itself and if you're not you're not worth living so tell me how dangling a carrot of healthcare over senior citizens heads isn't wicked when you've been poisoning them the whole entire time with the foods they eat the alcohol they drink the drugs they use the prescription medicines they use the air quality the soils the medications that keep them entrapped in the system and break their bodies down only for you to go then turn around and say oh well they're not productive they're not adding to the system and people go with that it's 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 morally corrupt it's wicked the reason we don't do things like this is that for us morality is individual not collective we don't think in terms of a system we think in terms of individual people and from a utilitarian standpoint we exist on a familial level the care we give to our children is a return on the care that we ourselves were given by our parents and the care we give to our elderly parents is meant to be returned by our children if we were to begin sticking the elderly on ice flows we know in the back of our minds that our children are likely to do the same to us or as one bumper sticker goes be nice to your children they'll choose your nursing home the family as the basis of society however has crumbled in favor of the state as people people increasingly turn over the care of their children and their parents to the state the social investment becomes not in the family but in the state as the moral power of the family is transferred to the social service bureaucracies of the state the investment that people have in their children and their elders diminishes their investment in the social services bureaucracy grows birth rates drop inheritance levels drop and the elderly begin dropping too as each generation tries to game the system in order to maximize the resources available to it at a given time euthanasia of the elderly the disabled and infants is morally wrong on an individual level but when one begins playing with hundreds of millions of lives morality quickly becomes hazy this is the danger of playing god when you sit on a high enough throne looking down at all the ant people with their ant problems individuals cease to matter only the welfare of the system does this is why large centralized systems quickly become oppressive because they become detached from the wishes and wills of the individuals in the system level only the system itself matters i mean look at the author makes such a good point there look at where we are in today's society people even before they approved it for the children right people were a okay knowing that some people would be forced to take an experimental gene therapy shot and that they might have irreversible damage you know all in the name of society all in the name of doing your part right that people were okay with the idea that somebody died or somebody you know had issues as long as they can go back to normal 
You see how people campaign for the system all the time to their own demise. You know, even even the people that I've spoken to, family members, friends, a lot of people have said, well, nothing's happened to me. And I just look at them and I just look at them differently after that. Because to me, it's like, you don't care what happens to other people, right? As long as you're a-okay. That to me is sick. That is a wicked mindset. The article continues with, when individuals gain the power of life and death over hundreds of millions, individual welfare gives way to the welfare of the state. Once the state has been defined as the sole source of life for everyone living under it, the state then gains the right to sacrifice the lives of any number of individuals for its own self-preservation. With Obamacare, with socialized medicine, the state becomes the unquestioned source of life for those living under it. Those individuals become nothing more than a cog within a machine, a tiny spinning wheel marked Citizen 5433534, whose destiny will be decided based on how well he functions within the system. And that's exactly where they're going with this. I mean, the fact that we even gave away our freedom, our true freedom that the Most High gave to us, the Most High didn't have you be born to be doing what we're doing now, to be occupied, to be busy, to be stressed out, to be working just to live, just to pay rent. You're just living to pay rent in a land that you were born into. Does that even make sense? And then we give away all of our bodily autonomy to this evil and wicked system. And you best believe I'm going to go in on a healthcare part two episode because it's one of the veils that just needs to continue to be exposed for what it truly is and it's pure wickedness killing of the people basically they can dangle all these things in front of our our elders oh if you don't do this you don't have access to medicare or medicaid oh you will you'll be kicked off obamacare if you don't take the shot oh your family cannot visit you unless they take the shot it's all coercion it's all evil and most people don't look at don't care because they don't care about individual lives they care about the collective they care about their own comfort absolute power corrupts absolutely by granting godlike power without godlike wisdom and any horror quickly becomes tenable in the name of the system which itself becomes a god. I mean, that's exactly what it is. They, the, the vast majority of people view this system as their only way of living. Therefore, they don't care what happens to our elders. And look at how your idols treated the elders during the beginning of the pandemic. They told you it was just deadly pandemic, da 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 da. They shut down the world even after only having a few thousand fake cases, right? They shut down the world, and then you just start seeing all these things happening in nursing homes. Elders dying in nursing homes at a greater effect even before the jab was out. It's because of all of the pandemic requirements, so-called health requirements, the social distancing the isolation 
the wearing of the mask constantly? What do you think that's going to do to an elderly person and their immune system? And on top of that, we're not even discussing all of the drugs that we pump them full of in these nursing homes. People don't really understand how medicated our elders really are under the care of so-called nurses or primary care physicians or whatever you want to call them. We got to be wise to the system and take our elders out of the system. There's no way that they should be tied. Anyone should be tied to the system, not just our elders, our children. And I don't understand how people are still locked into the system after all this time, man. It's It's sad. It's really, really sad, and it's shown how far we've fallen. And we're going to transition into the CBS News. And we're going to play an audio segment from the CBS News video. And it's entitled CBS News, the national video entitled Abuse one of Canada's many senior care problems, published on January 18, 2018. And then after we listen to that audio segment, we're going to transition into the Ken HR Care video entitled Stop Drugging Our Elderly. And we're going to do all three parts. So part one of three, part two of three, part three of three by California Advocates for Nursing Home Reform. And part one was published on July 13, 2010. Part two was published on July 18, 2010. And part three is published on July 21, 2010. Diana Pepin had her fears that something was happening to her incapacitated mother behind the walls of her nursing home. So she installed a camera. At first, what she saw was reassuring. I call her. This is the PSW who has taken care of mom for several years. She's having an interaction with my father. That's what I do. I'm She's showing how well she dresses mom. She color coordinates. It her. sounds caring. V very nice. The socks are matching the nightgown. It sounds good. But as soon as Diana's dad leaves, that nice talk disappears. Oh, it makes you not trust people. That's, you know what? It just makes you not trust your own judgment sometimes when you think pe people are okay. The personal support worker in the video was fired, but there are plenty more cases like this across Ontario. A review of hundreds of government incident reports found residents had been physically assaulted by staff when they requested to have their adult diapers changed. Another resident was left in a badly soiled state for two hours by staff intentionally. So I think that's a bit of a... We told elder advocate Jane Metis about some of those reports. We found a PSW, a personal support worker, returning to work after an allegation of abuse without any further training. Another incident of resident-to-resident -resident sexual abuse. And then finally, resident-to-resident -resident abuse that took place while the staff were asleep. Are these isolated or do you hear about things like that all the time? I hear about these things all the time. 
we hear stories of people being illegally detained, of being left in bed for days, um, filthy conditions, cockroaches, assault. Indeed, the reports show a surge in incidents between staff and residents reported by nursing homes from almost 900 in 2011 to about 2200 in 2016. When problems are reported, it can take months for officials to send an inspector. We still have a huge backlog and I think we still have a big problem because they're inspectors, they're not investigators. So now when staff come to her room, Diana Pepin keeps watch, a safeguard against abuse in a home that was built for care. David Common, CBC News, Ottawa. Now, David's story is your first look at a major investigation into the crisis in elder care. In the weeks to come, you'll see in-depth coverage on CBC's Marketplace and here on The National. It's the scope of the problems, the calls for accountability. So tonight, let's focus on the staff on the front lines and what happens when trouble strikes. Marketplace found that in just one year, there were 2,198 reported incidents of staff on resident abuse in Ontario long-term care homes. This means, on average, six seniors abused every day. Now, many of the staff in those homes are personal support workers. That's a demanding job that pays relatively little, about $18 to $21 an hour. They're not recognized as regulated health professionals in Ontario. They're not certified and there's no governing body regulating practicing PSWs. Currently, any PSW in the province of Ontario can abuse, they can uh, steal, and if they're not formally charged by the police, they can leave that place of work, walk down the street, and get hired at another long-term care facility. And that exact scenario has played out. Remember this video? In Ontario, a few years ago, some support workers were caught on camera, one waving feces in a resident's face, another blowing his nose on her sheets. Well, at least one of those people is still employed as a personal support worker. So how can anyone check up on who is caring for their loved ones? Ontario did have an online registry of more than 35,000 PSWs. Two years ago, it quietly dismantled it over complaints it contained unverified information. The government promised a replacement to be phased in starting now, but there's nothing available to the public yet. we're now going to do a transition into all three parts of the can hr care video entitled stop drugging our elderly by california advocates for nursing home reform imagine that you are 88 years old and have dementia you can no longer take care of yourself without help from others. You've just been moved to a nursing home. You are surrounded by strangers. People are constantly coming into your room, turning you over, giving you pills, and interrupting your sleep. You want to go home, but nobody listens to anything you say. You are scared and feel sad. You cry out because you don't know what to do or who to trust. Instead of comforting you and helping you adjust, a nursing home doctor that you have never seen prescribes a powerful antipsychotic drug that has severe mind-altering properties. The drug makes you feel disoriented and upset. You begged for relief. The doctor increases the dosage and adds other drugs because you still appear upset. You get sluggish and always feel tired. Day and night, 
you're left slumped over in a wheelchair or lying in bed. The drugs are likely to hasten your death. As hard as it is to believe, this nightmare scenario plays itself out every day in nursing homes throughout California. Every day, over 25,000 California nursing home residents are given powerful antipsychotic drugs like Zyprexa, Risperdal, Seroquel, and Haldol. Nationwide, more than one-third of a million residents are given antipsychotic drugs. The vast majority of these residents have dementia. Most of the time, the drugs are given to control and sedate the residents without any medical justification. The drugs are often given without the resident's legal consent and are used as a poor substitute for actual person-to-person -person caregiving. Most importantly, antipsychotic drugs can kill elderly people with dementia. The misuse of antipsychotic drugs in nursing homes can be stopped, but it requires residents and their families to take control of their care. Residents and their family need to make sure that these drugs are not used unless all other alternatives have been ruled out. It is important to ask questions about the proposed use of any drugs and learn about possible side effects. Most importantly, residents and family members need to exercise their right to say no to any proposed treatment that they do not want. You may find it difficult to challenge the nursing home and doctor, but these matters can be life and death. The overdrugging of nursing home residents is one of the most common forms of elder abuse. Nursing homes and doctors often use drugs to sedate, subdue, and chemically restrain elderly residents with dementia. On any given day, over 25,000 nursing home residents in California receive at least one antipsychotic drug. What are antipsychotic drugs and why are they so prevalent? There are many antipsychotic drugs. Some of the more commonly used are Haldol, Zyprexa, Risperidol, and Seroquel. These drugs are powerfully mind-altering and have severe side effects. For elderly people, they can be deadly. There are several problems with the way nursing home residents are given antipsychotic drugs. For one thing, the drugs are used off-label. That means that antipsychotic drugs have not been approved by the FDA for the treatment of dementia. In fact, the FDA has issued its most dire warning, known as a black box warning, regarding antipsychotic drugs. The warning states that antipsychotic drugs can almost double the risk of death for elderly people with dementia. The FDA has also issued an advisory to doctors, informing them Elderly patients with dementia-related psychosis treated with antipsychotic drugs are at an increased risk of death. Antipsychotic drugs are not approved for the treatment of dementia-related psychosis. Healthcare professionals should consider other management options. Despite laws requiring they be informed, nursing home residents and their family members almost never see these warnings. In fact, Antipsychotic drugs are often given to nursing home residents without their knowledge at all. If antipsychotic drugs are really dangerous, why are they so often being given to elderly residents of nursing homes? 
One reason is drugged, docile residents allow nursing homes to reduce their budget for staff, saving money and increasing profits. Important laws exist to give nursing home residents and their families control over the care they receive. Unfortunately, enforcement of the laws has been extremely lax. That is why residents and families must be active in demanding that antipsychotic drugs never be used unless they are absolutely sure that there are no less dangerous alternatives. Here are a few important tips on stopping misuse of antipsychotic drugs. Periodically request a complete list of current medications. If antipsychotic drugs are proposed, ask why they are justified and what alternatives have been tried. Don't consent to antipsychotic drugs unless you are certain that all other care and treatment options have been exhausted. Do not give consent to antipsychotic drugs if the doctor has not directly examined the resident to determine the need for the drug. Insist that the doctor or nursing home provide written information on adverse consequences of the proposed drugs, including black box warnings. The misuse of antipsychotic drugs in nursing homes is a leading cause of elder abuse. The abuse takes many forms, from using antipsychotic drugs as a blatant form of chemical restraint to using them without medical indications. But perhaps the most egregious method of abusing elderly nursing home residents with antipsychotic drugs is by giving them without informed consent. Informed consent is the foundation of doctor-patient relationships. It is a legal right, requiring doctors to respect the personal choices of their patients. As the term suggests, informed consent has two components, information and consent. The information part of informed consent requires that doctors explain their treatment recommendations to their patients or to their legal representatives. In the case of antipsychotic drugs, some of the information that should be covered by the prescribing doctor includes the reason why the drug is going to be used, the benefits and risks, including the black box warnings for these drugs, and the available alternatives, such as therapy or more individualized care. The consent part of informed consent simply requires that patients or their legal representatives agree to any treatment that is undertaken. Adults have control over the medication they take. Both state and federal laws recognize that no treatment may be given to anyone without their consent. Despite these legal requirements, many doctors and nursing homes give antipsychotic drugs to residents without informing them or seeking their consent. Explaining antipsychotic drugs and answering questions from nursing home residents takes a lot of time that some doctors may not think they have. Studies show that doctors are reluctant to get informed consent from any patients let alone those who live in nursing homes. Some nursing home staff members, meanwhile, prefer their residents be drugged so they are quiet and easy to care for. These staff members do not pay attention to informed consent requirements. In California, laws regarding informed consent in nursing homes are rarely enforced. The California Department of Public Health, the state agency in charge of nursing home oversight, has no official policy for investigating informed consent compliance. 
It's up to residents and their family to demand that their right to information and to give consent be honored. The best way to do that is to find out if any antipsychotic drugs have been prescribed and to ask questions about their risks, benefits, and alternatives. If the answers are not reassuring, the residents should reject the treatment. Those that know me well and those who are supporters of the podcast know I'm 100% against any type of medication. Any type of chemical or poison or toxin should not go into the body. Anything man-made was not meant for, for us to, to consume and use. That's why the healthcare industry keeps you in limbo, keeps you in a carousel. The moment you start taking those medications is the moment you will begin to be tied to this death care system for the rest of your life. You take a medication, right? to treat a so-called issue only to have a plethora of other issues and that original issue that you have is never cured it's just treated it's just hindered people got to understand how deep and wicked this nephilim elite bloodline system is you shouldn't even have to be in a position where you have to beg and plead a nursing home to treat your parents or grandparents with respect we shouldn't even be in these situations we should be taking care of our own family members healthy family members nonetheless and that's why i don't understand people who continue to fight tooth and nail for the system a system that shows you in every which way possible that it is wicked that it doesn't care about you that it cares about its bottom line that it cares about full authority, full control, full dominion, full governance, full rulership over you and your family, over the minds, bodies, and souls. I mean, look at where we're at now in this pandemic. I couldn't even imagine what they've been doing at nursing homes to the vulnerable, to the ones who spoke up and said they didn't want it. What can somebody who's elderly, who can barely defend themselves do if two nurses or two long-term care physicians or whatever you want to call them come into a room and either hold them down and forcibly inject them or they drug them with other drugs so that they are unable to knowingly give consent to that shot. I mean, think about that. That's not far-fetched. It's not far-fetched whatsoever. I remember even, I remember my dad shared with me recently a story from a time when I was little when it was during the time where he was going back to school and him and my mom just had moved us from our old neighborhood pretty rough neighborhood pretty poverty-stricken neighborhood over to a privileged neighborhood so this was right before we made the move maybe a year or two and I was at a lady's daycare and my dad had told me that for a couple weeks he had been picking me up either him or my mom would pick me up after work and i don't remember what age i was at i was maybe at like four three or four so at the age where a lot of kids need a nap right you still take naps but not as much as like an infant would and so my dad thought it was weird that every time he picked me up i would just be knocked out 
just sleep all the way from the time he picked me up all the way to the time we got home. He'd say he'd even try to feed me or give me a bath and I barely could keep my eyes open. My dad's like, okay. He listened to his gut instinct. He's like, no, that something's wrong with my son. And so not sure how he discovered what was going on, but eventually I think he either went to the daycare early earlier than he said that he was going to pick me up or however the information got out but basically the lady taking care of me was giving me Tylenol PM or a, a stronger version of a drug basically to knock me out because you know a kid has too much energy right it's too much work I mean imagine that giving me Tylenol PM to a young kid didn't even have my immune system built up nothing so if people are going to do that to children, what do you expect them to do to our elders? What do you expect? You think they're going to treat our elders with any type of respect? So why in the world will we put our elders into a system? A system in which it keeps the nurses understaffed, overworked, and stressed out so that they can break, so that they can snap at their patients. And this is not to disparage nurses. Not all nurses are bad. I'm not saying that. I'm saying the system the industry itself is not good it was meant for destruction it was meant to be this way on purpose it was meant to remain to keep our parents sick so that when we are in the time we are in now we have no elders we have no voices of reason no one with common sense and discernment to say hey wait a minute this doesn't look right the government's been up to such and such for my whole life you shouldn't even involve yourself in this COVID-19 pandemic. We don't have any of that. And we got to understand, that's why I'm not going to give, hold all accountability on our elders. It, it goes every single way. All of us are at fault for feeding this system, for feeding this beast system and letting it stay alive. Thinking that a system is going to take care of our parents, our grandparents, our most vulnerable, our children, better than what we could do. I mean, we got to wake up, man. We really got to wake up with what is going on in plain sight because it's, it's not going to get any better. And that's what people need to understand is that this has been well-timed, well-thought-out, well-executed. That's why we're in the position we are today. now that we got a better understanding of why we got to the point where we are with our elders and with our family structure, let's take a look at what this hoax pandemic has done to our elders. And I mean, I've spoken on this numerous times, spoke on this well, even well back in the fall of 2020, where I said the world was going as far as depression and, you know, antidepressant drugs and alcohol increasing drug use increasing you know abuse increasing all of these things have come to fruition right but let's take a look at what this pandemic has done to our elders because it is a sick game what they're doing to our elders is degrading and come to think about it these people 
bought into the American dream even more than so-called millennials or Generation X or whatever these generations they give you. They bought into it even more because a lot of them were first generation from other countries such as my father who literally did live in war-torn villages and literally did witness 100% government corruption out in the open hiding nothing who did suffer so to come here to America was a dream to be able to go to school and get an education and so-called work hard was a dream to many people because they literally lived in a different type of hell so I get where they're coming from and what's so sick about this pandemic is they've taken advantage of those who did buy into the narrative, did, did buy into the American dream and now look what they're doing. Look how they're repaying them for their loyalty. Look at this system, this beast system, this Nephilim Babylonian system has no type of loyalty towards those who, who live for it. That they're willing to sacrifice the people who kept the system alive. And all while they do it, they degrade our elders. They embarrass them. They, they make them feel lowly. And we, as adults, continue to perpetrate this, this sickness, this idolatry. And it will be rec recompensed. According to the AHRP.org article entitled, COVID public health policies are killing the elderly deliberately update phase one published on may 17 2021 a society that removes decision-making from individuals and places it in the hands of central planners invites a disorder and endangerment. It is hard to imagine a more stupid or more dangerous way of making decisions than by putting those decisions in the hands of people who pay no price for being wrong. And this was a quote from Thomas Sawell, Hoover Institute Economist. E economist. And if you really think about it, it's completely true. We, people are putting their lives in the hands of people they don't even get, don't even know personally. You know, it's gotten to the point, the idolatry's gotten to a point where even our own elders, even my own parents, refuse to listen to my dire warnings about the mark of the beast. Someone that they raise, someone that they love and know. Regardless of what mistakes I've made in the past, it's supposed to be about unconditional love. It's supposed to be about respect and acknowledgement. And they didn't want to hear anything I said. I've even had family members who, per who openly told me that they refused to look at the things I sent to them. They'd rather listen to the establishment, the system, to, to protect them. It's crazy, man. It really is crazy. And they've really taken advantage of our elders. Because when the elders fell for the American dream, it was easier to pass that mentality down to their children. And now adults are passing it down to their children. Why do you think there's adults that are celebrating the mark of the beast being approved for children? guarantee those same elders have parents or same adults have parents who went and vaccinated their kids and so on and so forth so therefore the curse continues the article continues with the pandemic demonstrated the lethal consequences that follow 
when the dictates of public officials, i.e. central planners, are followed blindly without an opportunity for debate. Exactly. Think how quickly they they told you there was a pandemic and then they rolled out, you know, orders to stay home, lockdowns, mask mandates, social distancing. No one questioned any of that. The article continues with the pandemic provided public officials with no opportunity to abuse. No, my, my apologies. The pandemic provided public off officials with inopportunity to abuse their authority and to impose draconian restrictions on our freedom and our human interactions. The restrictions constrained commercial, educational, religious, cultural, and social activities, Every even family gatherings. They did so in violation of our constitutional rights and human rights as free human beings. And that's what you got to understand about the system is you're never free. Stop stop trying to be a part of the system people what you think that a constitution or a declaration of independence is real you think you can hide behind that when they're the ones who gave you that history when they're the ones who create the laws and break the laws and enforce the laws or decide not to enforce the laws i mean who are you really crying to to save you that's the problem with people is like we we really think we're free how are you free when you're forced to pay to live in a world does that even make any sense? So you're you're somehow free, huh? People need to wake up, man. I'm I'm sick of hearing that over oh, we're free. It's just it's just a lie. It's a brainwash. Article continues with public officials justified the imposition of restrictions on our lives and suspension of citizens' civil, legal, and fundamental human rights by claiming that the policies they adapted relied on science and the advice of experts. The truth is, those policies and restrictions were aimed at gaining control over our lives. They were not justified by scientific evidence. And you got to understand science is a cult. 100%. It goes 100% against the Most High, the creation of the Most High. It perverts the creation of the Most High. It inverts the creation of the Most High. It manipulates the creation of the Most High. It defiles the creation of the Most High, 100%. The unprecedented shutdowns and restrictions on our freedom to make our own life decisions have been catastrophic consequences. The restrictions rob millions of people of their livelihood and their financial independence. Medical dictates undermined the fundamental right of adults to make informed medical choices for themselves and their family, undermining their sense of self-worth. Medical dictates disregard individual human differences, fertilities, and vulnerabilities. Government dictates overrode the professional judgment of treating physicians. Blanket medical dictates violate the Hippocratic Oath. And we'll get into that Hippocratic Oath. Because you got to think about all these oaths that these medical professionals sign. The foundational ethical principle of medicine. First, do no harm. History has painfully demonstrated that the deviation from the Hippocratic Oath leads to the perversion of medicine from a healing profession to a murderous state operation. And it was never about healing. Don't for a second think that the healthcare industry at any point ever wanted to heal you. Anything that is not natural is going to kill you. Any medicine, any chemical, any toxin, any poison over time is going to kill you. It's called an adverse reaction, plain and simple. 
It's a chemical reaction. It's a body's response to a foreign substance. The article continues with the dire economic, societal, and human consequences of those draconian dictates are painfully visible. The agony of human suffering and isolation, the unprecedented government aspiration of our rights to make personal choices, the deprivation that... family it is what it is man it's what i'm tell, been telling you about the uh, israelite tribal negroes and uh, their scientology and their theology and their and their reality is a nephilim reality masked as uh, righteous and king righteous kings of the earth but I see nothing righteous going on around me. You know what I'm saying? So Moses is telling me this truth that, you know, there's nothing righteous going on with these kings. It's time to, to expose them or whatever, you know, because it's all us that got destroyed and got at the bottom. And they have all these angels on top of us while they enjoy the kingdom of the idolatry against Mosai. It's all a lie of the devil, so-called Israelites, as I explained to you, they've always existed. They are all Israelites. Okay? They just changed, twist the story, and gave you a cut pie telling you that you are also part of the machine. But really, you are not part of the machine, because you can't. Okay? Somebody is your master, and it's them. You can't be them, and they can't be you. You have to understand that. Yeah? No matter how much they changed the history, they had to be on top, and you had to be on the bottom. And that's the difference between you and them. Understand that? You are the people that they took the lands from, okay, and made you believe whatever, gave you religions, and gave you the angels over you to... to bewitched you with the angels to keep you in that cabal prison. So you never come out, you never recover your land, you never recover your soul. For as long as these spirits are over you, these angels are bounding you. Understand that? In Babylon. And they rule over you. They giving you access to Israelitism, it's just like you having second-class citizenship. That's all. Okay? Don't think you are extraordinary over them or you're going to rule over them or nothing like that. It's not about that. They are always permanent rulers. They are always being and will be the rulers over you for as long as you worship their angels, their God. Not Mosai, their order of things, their history, their beliefs. If you believe that history, then you have to leave that. You're not going to leave the, the creation of Mosai. You're going to leave Nephilim history. That's your choice. 
I'm talking to you about Mosai reality. Yeah, you got that option. You got Nephilim history reality. Think that you know you being exiled, you being they, they took your lands, but you are the same people still, and you're gonna share the kingdom with them. Same Babylonian kingdom, nothing gonna change. Yeah, they all gonna be you know after the next pandemic next year, and you probably need to be vaccinated as an Israelite because your God Yahweh said so. Understand what you're dealing with? Yeah? They're not going to tell you that. They're going to tell you, our history is this. We do this. This is our people. This is what we do. We know our history. We are not a hidden. But go to that country. They're doing the same things that all these hiddens are doing. All these countries are doing the same thing. They're all Israelites. And they're all doing the same thing. Their government is an Israelite government. What do they do? They sell oil for money, oil for food. They give you money, just like the other spirits do. The, the, the spirits, the, the lower spirits, they all do the same. They give them money. They pray for money. Their worry is money. Not nothing else. Not nothing. It's money. So, what's the difference between Yahweh and Krishna? She gives you money. She's a serpent, shining serpent. Well, she, I say, she eats. He's a shining serpent, just like Yahweh. Same thing, same God, same spirit. Tell me, what's the difference of an Israelite and a non-Israelite? They all Israelites. They all worship the same God, same deities, same angels. And, and a seed of the Nephilim. They are seed of these Yahweh, shining ones. So they're going to teach Yahweh shining ones, not Mosai. Yeah, they, now they call, they call him aliens, they call him all stuff. But they're not going to tell you the truth. Because... You know, they do what their father told them to do. Their father gave them the cake. Their father gave them the book to rule over the earth, whatever way they want. Okay, it's up to you to learn the difference. It's up to you to learn reality and common sense. Yeah, because you're not going to have a man, a grown man, you know, and treat him like a child. You need to listen to this helper over there because you don't know nothing. You are a fool. You don't know nothing. Yeah? And the elder is talking about, it's not your people. It's not your family. You don't never ever saw this guy ever in your life. Yeah? It's all a cult going on. But yet, Babylon is run by Yahweh. He is their king. But they claim that, oh, the government did this to us. The government did that to us. 
but we are regime of white. You know what I'm saying? But they have no input. You're telling me they have no input in what the government do? No. The government is Yahweh, as I told you guys. As soon as you wake up about that, that the God you worship is the God that gave you the reality that you have, and that's that. Okay? He's the top, and if there's a problem, you have to go to deal with the damn the God that you worship. Because he is the, the, the you know the guy that rules everything, that rules your kings, that rules your laws, rules your government, rules your parents, everything. But he's the guy that you have to deal with. You know what I'm saying? So that's that man. I'll need to listen to what I'm, the words of, of wisdom I'm giving you. You know what I'm saying? And don't let them fool you, man. Yeah? They keep all types of secrets from you from day one. And all of a sudden, they want to tell you, we know this, we know that. Why didn't you teach that at school? You ought to be judged now. Because the Yahweh system didn't teach you his laws at school. Yeah? So that's the problem with that starting there. They, they, there's no law of Mosai in their schools. What do they teach you at school? Lies and vanity. They've got to handle Yahweh responsible for that. Because it's the God that they worship. All right? So, and shows you that it's nothing but, you know, Yahweh is nothing but a role of organization, okay? And uh, organized, uh, you know, just an organized Nephilim tribe is going on. You know, we are not part of that community by no means, shape or form at all. You know? How elder is Mosai? That's all you need to know. He trusts no nephew, young or old. You know what I'm saying? We trust facts. We trust reality. We trust what we see. We trust the spirit that Mosai gave us. We trust what Mosai showed us. We trust that. And Father, the old children of, of Yahweh, the devil. And you know, there's no nothing you can do about that. You can't change that. Yeah. No scholar can save you. What are they gonna do for you? If you're a scholar, you know, you look, man. If I'm go to these definitions of scholars, I'm gonna bash the hell out of them because they are all part of deception. Instead of you're in that Babylonian confusion because of the damn scholars in the first place that don't know nothing and like to argue hours of argument about bullshit that they don't even know for a fact. They're not dealing with facts. Yeah, they're going to now argue where is the land of Israel. Get the hell out of here with that, man. You know what I'm saying? The land of Israel is all them kingdoms that you see today. Okay? And they all sit, they sit around. They call the UN. They called, uh, they got names, but this is all Israelite set Yeah, the eight setups, the angelic setups. That's all you need to know, is Yahweh set up. Yeah, they have leaders, they have kingdoms, and they have princes 
princesses, yeah? And so And they claim they are the people of the book. All of them claim that. All of them are Israelites. You're not the only guy in the claiming you are in Israel. They all claim they are Israelites. And they all do business together. Yeah? With all the ites and all this, they work together. So when Saul, David, all these guys tell you that in the book, they've been killing these nations and this and that, they didn't. They're all brothers. They're all family. They're all ites. Why they will kill their own family? Are you kidding? You're not getting it, man. They all Israelites from the beginning. They were fooling you. They, they kill each other because he was special chosen one. But no, they all the chosen ones because they all the, the children of the shining ones. And Sana, shining ones created them all. All the ites. Yeah. So they all chosen to rule the earth. They're not going to kill each other. It's the same thing they do today. In, you see them doing, yeah, pretending they're fighting each other and this and that. They know they can't fight each other. They won. They even go to war and all that, but you know they're not going to, you know, fight, fight, kill each other. Are you kidding? It's only play. To fool what? The real ones, which is us. To give us the perception of the role that they want us to have. To think that, you know, they are, one minute they are the wicked ones, but next minute they are the, the Israelites, if you noticed. So they, but they want to tell you that you are the Israelites because you are the, being the victim. All of a sudden you are the Israelites and uh, they are the devils. No, you can never be the Israelites because you're non, you are not the sun. You, to be an Israelite, you have to be an ite. You have to be the son of the fallen one. So when you say I'm an Israelite, you're saying you are the son of the fallen one, of the shining ones, the son of Yahweh, the son of shining serpent, chosen by the shining serpent. That's what you're saying. That's Adman. Keep laws, thoughts, and commandments. Love you all. Shalom. It's absolutely vital for us to accept the system in which we're in, the Nephilim elite bloodline systems in which have full bondage and enslavement over the masses, full authority, full control, full dominion, full governance, full rulership. And instead of clinging to this demonic system, it's time for us to leave. It's time for us to stop complying. It's time for us to stop listening. It's time for us to turn off the television. It's time for us to ignore the experts, the leaders, the celebrities, the entertainers, the athletes, the politicians, the government, 100% in, because these same entities are the ones serving you up the mark of the beast. They're the ones who created the nursing home, 
They're the ones who profit off the nursing homes. They're the ones who have been killing and poisoning our elders, their minds, bodies, and souls, so that those generational curses can continue onward from the adults to the children and so on and so forth. But something tells me that things are going to drastically change and sway in the favor of justice, righteousness, and truth. They're going to sway in the way of wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. And at the end of the day, once the the dust settles, we're going to ask ourselves, at what price did we pay to continue to defend this wicked system? We sacrificed our elders to the system. We sacrificed ourselves as adults to the system, and now we're sacrificing our children to the system. A system of destruction that is collapsing. You know, and I can't sit here and say that people don't deserve what's coming to them because a lot do. A lot do. And the way that we've treated each other and treated our elders is is despicable. It's embarrassing. It's deplorable. It's inhumane. This is what the system has done to us. This is what idolatry has done to us. This is what pride has done to us. That's why families are split apart. That's why the elders are ravaged and taken advantage of and abused mentally, physically, spiritually, and sexually. They're all abused in in multiple ways. Go look it up. And things are only going to get worse until the people are forced to wake up. Like I said, in the, in the series of Choose Your Side, people are going to be forced to choose their side if they haven't, haven't already. And a lot of this is going to come at a great cost to so many people. So many elders have lost their lives, have lost the quality of their lives because of the system. And we sit back as adults and we just let it happen. The average adult has just let this happen. They've witnessed what they've done to our elders and now they're witnessing what they've done to adults and now we're transitioning over to the children. And how many many people are going to sit back idle and just accept it? I, on the other hand, knew it was time to speak up well over a year ago. I had already been speaking up to family members and friends over a decade prior even within the last two years, gotten even more serious with family about getting right with the Most High and seeking wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. If only people had listened and actually cared, we wouldn't even be in the situation that we're in today. We wouldn't be in bondage. We wouldn't be enslaved if we just gave up the system altogether. That's what people got to understand. Even so-called truthers who want so badly to fit in the system. It's like, what are you? You're not a truther. You're not about the truth. Why would you want any part to do with this system? Especially at this point, why? So I say that to say that it's time for us to stand up as adults and protect our most vulnerable, our elders, our children, because they need us more than ever. And you better be careful what side of history you end up on because it's gonna determine whether you live or whether you die. And that's just the bitter truth about it. And I wish you all the best. Peace and blessings to all of the righteous men and women of the Most High. 
peace and blessings to all of those who have been on their own narrow path of the righteous with the Most High, and to those who are beginning on their own narrow path of the righteous with the Most High. May the Most High continue to bless you, protect you, guide you, and provide you with wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. May your life be fulfilled and may you have peace of mind all of your days, along with your family lineage. All praises to the Most High and the Most High only. Peace.